What is the relationship between spirituality and money? Does manifesting really work? How does self-love help you with your money mindset? Find out all of this and more in this week's episode with Mandy Chung. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Welcome to the Mental Health and Wealth Show podcast. This is your host, Melanie Lockhart. My journey with money and mental health started in 2012 when I was depressed and anxious about my student loan debt. In 2013, I started my blog, Dear Debt, which chronicled my debt payoff journey and changed my life. I later published my book of the same name about how I paid off $81,000 in student loan debt. It was my time blogging that showed me that I wasn't alone in my mental health struggles around money and that my own mental health impacted how I related to money. My mission now is to help others feel less alone and tackle these difficult topics. As a disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional or a financial professional, and all content on the show should not be considered professional medical or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. If you are in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741741. Thank you so much for being here, and if you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform, and feel free to share episodes on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockhart. I would love to hear from you. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing Andy Chung, a corporate finance advisor and spiritual wealth coach based in Hong Kong. She works with companies listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange on their transactions like IPO, M&A, and equity fundraising exercises. She also supports women to be financially independent and live life on their own terms because she genuinely believes that the world will be a better place if more women become financially empowered. You know I feel the same way. I'm so excited for you to be here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited as well. Yes, super excited to chat with you. I know you have a very interesting perspective. So you're all about spirituality and finance. And I'm curious, how did you get interested in spirituality and finance? And how do these two topics work together? I have always been a fan of the law of attraction because I genuinely believe that how you carry yourself or your energy level affects what you and who you attract into your life. For me, it's always about connecting with the right energy rather than daydreaming your way to success. So in dealing with money, I think it's important for us to be aware of what kind of energy or what kind of thoughts we are associating with money. For example, if you associate money with stress, then you carry that energy with you and you will find it harder to attract money because likely you don't even enjoy earning money. So I like what you do because you call that the adapt and you are literally taking away the negative energy from that and also the judgment. I also like using this example of a couple. If every day your partner comes home and then all you do is to complain about why he or she is not good enough, why they are always not there, then chances are your partner won't be home so often or they may even leave you. So it's the same mentality when it comes to dealing with money. So I like to talk about the energy of money and also the energy you carry yourself. And it's all about spirituality. And it's the same rule for all the other things, the relationship, the career, and even your health sometimes. I know all this can sound easier said than done 
because I've also spent a good amount of time trying to shift my money mindset and there was no luck. But then now looking back, I just think that it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't have been that way because just like all the other loving couples, they also have times when they have fights. So I think for all of your audience who are struggling with money, know that it's okay to feel bad about money sometime. But the thing you need to do is to just like what you did in the past, take away that energy for money. For example, I know that you you wrote breakup letters with that. And for me, it's about doing other things like budgeting so that I know I am in control of my life and my finances. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so curious, what were some of those times where you felt like you were having negative thoughts about money and you realized that you needed to change your money mindset? Can you share a little bit more about that? I think when I feel stressed about money, it really affects in every aspect of my life because Money is literally a system we live in and there's no way we can escape from it. So I think like you have said before that we we are conditioned to associate our self-worth with our net worth and that can affect every area of our life. So whenever I notice that I'm feeling stressed about my finances, I journal, I ask myself like what other things I have. So in order to I know people sometimes people like to challenge their negative money mindset and ask why they're here, where they come from and how to shift it. But for me, it's more about replacing that negative energy with gratitude because I truly believe that you cannot be grateful and fearful at the same time. So I look back at what I'm grateful for, like my comfortable home, my cats, my my job, and that can usually help me shift my scarcity mindset to a more abundance mindset. I love that quote. You can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. And I think that is so true. And it's so wonderful when we can just tap into that absolutely free tool, that tool of gratitude to refocus our money mindset. And, you know, I feel like a lot of our financial triggers are about so much more than money. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because As some people know, I was recently diagnosed with celiac disease earlier this year and had a lot of medical appointments and, and, you know, uh, the bills keep coming and they're kind of triggering for me because I think that I've done with the bills and they keep showing up. And then, you know, there's talks about recession and there's talks about the economy and the stock market crashing. And I remember the great recession and that was when I was most broke. And so I feel like right now I'm dealing with a lot of active financial triggers and I'm doing that money mindset work in real time right now. And one of the things that I wanted to share with listeners right now is I got another $300 medical bill. This is like my third or fourth one that came in the mail. And it's just like, oh man, I know this isn't that much money, but it's like, when is it going to stop? And how much more of this is coming? And I really hope that I can manage my health so that I can stay away from this. But then one of the things that really helped me recenter myself was this saying, I realized I don't have to tap my emergency fund to pay for this bill. I can pay $300 bill, no problem. And then I came up with this phrase where I said, if I don't have to access my emergency fund, then this is not a financial emergency. 
And that mantra really helped me recenter myself because I was feeling really anxious, very triggered, like, oh my gosh, all these bills are coming and I don't know how many more there are. And I just had that one phrase and I was like, yeah, like I've had times in my life where I've had to tap my emergency fund. I mean, that's why it's there, right? For emergencies. But this is not a financial emergency if I don't have to use my emergency fund. And so that was one mantra that I used to really recenter myself. And then, you know, another way I recentered myself is thinking about all the ways that I've made money in the past and that I could continue to make money in the future and that I have that history. And, you know, I was very broke and I was very much in debt, but I won't let myself go there again. And God forbid I find myself in that situation again. I know that I have the tools to get out of it again. I did it once, I could do it again. And so I think there are so many ways that we can use mantras, we can use gratitude, we can use our history as a guide for inspiration to know that our future can be different, right? So well said. I know everyone seems to be in this stressful mode under this economy, but then like what you said, there's always something for us to be grateful for. So I know it's common for us to feel fearful of our to feel financial stress sometimes, especially this time. But then we can always just appreciate our ability to earn money. Even if we have nothing left, we still have our brain to help us earn money. And that is something we can always be grateful for. Absolutely. I think, you know, anyone that's experienced illness or disease or depression or anxiety or any kind of mental or physical health ailment, I think, you know, like your health is something to be grateful for each and every day, your brain, your ability to think, your ability to talk, your ability to breathe, your ability to have, you know, four walls and and a comfortable bed, like all of these things represent safety and security. And I think a lot of our financial triggers come from, it's not the money exactly, but it's, oh my gosh, is this going to threaten my security? Is this going to threaten my safety? And I think that's something we need to be aware of just because it can help us kind of realign like, oh, well, right now I do have a beautiful home and I do have a nice bed and I can kind of rest in that gratitude and focus back on the present because it's so easy to go back and worry about what happened in the past or to obsess about the future, but we don't live there. We live there in the present. We live there now. And it can be very powerful to implement a mindfulness practice to get back to the present. So, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We, we can have predictions. We can have hopes. We can have dreams. We have no idea. So especially when the, the emotions and the thoughts are not serving us, getting back to that present moment of, okay, I'm here now. What do I have now? that can really help recalibrate your money mindset. And, you know, something else I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, um, this term manifest. And I know people like me tend to have like a love-hate relationship with this term manifest. And I used to not like it as much because it felt like people use the term as kind of a replacement for hard work and that we could just think our way out of things. But I'm now coming to the light a little bit and seeing that some people use the term in a different way and not as a replacement for hard work. And so I'm curious, how do you use the term manifesting and how does it relate to one's finances? 
I am so happy you asked this question. So, you know, I talk about the law of attraction and manifestation on my YouTube channel. And once in a while, I receive comments saying that I'm being self-centered. I am being woo-woo or this is just simply toxic positivity. And I think that's understandable. I think the reason that there's a bad name for the law of attraction or the word manifest is that people have been marketing this thing as a tool for self-interest. So it's understandable why people find it hard to digest. But for me, manifestation or the law of attraction is more about acknowledging that we are part of God or the universe and we are always unconditionally love and support. And this knowledge is very empowering for anyone who is experiencing financial stress because for me, it has helped me move forward in my financial journey because I am not alone and I have order ability and resources inside myself if I am willing to into that. So I think it's important that we know how to apply the law of attraction in our life instead of just thinking that this is a way for us to day daydream our way to success. The law of attraction is more about the universe sending you the people, the ideas, or the opportunities so that you can receive what you want. So you really need to take the inspired actions to make it happen. That's definitely hard work. And if you don't take ownership of your life and just expect things to come to you effortlessly, then it's plain selfish and it violates the law. Also, I know a lot of people complain that the law of attraction doesn't work for them. For me, the reason is simple because they don't have the capacity to handle that new or higher level of energy. So knowledge has a big role here because it gives you the confidence to know that you can really excel in your finances, your career, and all the other things. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think that's such a great interpretation of, of what it means to manifest. And I think it kind of relates to this quote, which I'm forgetting who the author is, but the gist of the quote is, whether you think you can or you can't, it's true. And I, I hopefully will try to find the author and put that in the show notes. But I know that's a common quote that I've seen on social media. And I love that quote because it's like, yeah, if you don't believe in it, then you don't believe in it. So it's not going to work. But if you do believe in it, then it might work. So there, I think the first part of manifesting is probably believing in it, right? And then what would be the next step for people on that journey if they wanted to try to add manifestation to their financial life? The law of attraction really about emotion. So in order to feel that emotion, you need to know that you can do it. You need the confidence. So financial education is very important. And I think like to sum up all the things we've talked about, I think awareness is really the first step. If you don't have the awareness that you may not be doing so well in your finances, then you may not take the step. So it's your awareness and your willingness to take ownership that will help excel in your financial journey. Perfect. Thank you. And so we kind of actually just talked about this a little bit with my personal experience, but I'm curious for your advice. So if someone is triggered by a financial situation or a bill, like I recently explained I was, how can they get out of a scarcity mindset? I forgot to say, I, I feel sorry for what you just said. Um, a recent example of mine is my upcoming tax bill. It is also so much more 
larger than I've expected. So I also Ooh, yeah have, yeah I've, I've been there before. You're like, oh, I must have paid a lot of money, which I guess is a good thing, but I have to pay a lot of money. Yeah, I totally didn't expect that. And even though I talk about all this money mindset thing, I was still feeling stressed about it for almost a month. I think looking back, I felt stressed because I wasn't doing anything except feeling worried. So to ask a question, I think the best solution to get out of a scarcity mindset is to do something or anything so that you can regain even just a little bit sense of control. So I like your example of writing the letter with your dad to your dad so that you know you are doing something. Because I think, like I said earlier, the opposite of a scarcity mindset is an abundance mindset, and you cannot feel gratitude and fear at the same time. So one of my favorite exercises to tap into my abundance mindset is to journal the three things, just three things that happened really well in my day. For example, yesterday, I felt like I did a lot. I was quite productive. I had I took a test for my investment class. I finished a work. I met the deadline. And I also had a great chat with my colleagues. So I journal those three things and I remind myself how lucky and privileged I am to have all those things. And when I focus on the good things I have, I know that I have the ability to tackle all the other difficulties in my life. And another thing that I find really useful, and I know a lot of people may not be ready for it, as budgeting. I love budgeting, but it took me a long time to to love this exercise because I know it sounds really restrictive. But then I also think that it doesn't need to be if you do it creatively. So when I budget, I always have two budget on the same spreadsheet. One is my dream budget and then the other one is my actual budget. So when I do my actual budget, sometimes I will feel like, oh, I had more money to pay for this or that. And then I would immediately add that new budget to my dream budget so that I know the gap between my dream budget and my actual budget. And then I ask myself, what do I need to do to increase that income? And in that process, I expand my mind, I feel creative, and you kind of saturate that feeling of scarcity. So this is also a really great exercise for anyone who wants to feel that they are doing something on their finances. Such amazing tips. I love that you talked about, you know, moving into action instead of moving more into your mind when it comes to the scarcity mindset and being triggered because we all know what it's like to obsess, to be worried, and it could just feel like you're spinning around in circles again and again and again. And I love that you mentioned my blog, Dear Debt, you know, which started this whole journey for me. And I don't think it was a coincidence that my whole financial life and professional life changed by starting that blog because all of 2012, which can't believe it's 10 years ago now, I was depressed about my student loan debt and I was just obsessing and not going anywhere. And then it wasn't until December, 2012, the month before I started my blog, I thought if I could use this same amount of energy that I spend worrying on something creative, even if it's just to deal with my mental health and my energy, then maybe I have a chance of paying off this debt. And then because I fell in love with personal finance blogs and I realized no one was talking about the emotions related to debt and mental health, 
that's how I started. And everything started to change after that. So definitely you can write a dear debt letter, which is a breakup letter to debt. You can share it with me or not. And I'm happy to publish it still. If you'd like, definitely start a budget, use that mind and that creativity towards something else. Go for a walk even to help regulate your nervous system and and get out into nature and remind you of all the abundance in nature. Take a nap if you need to, Um, you know, just go take a bath, like do something to get you away from that kind of rumination spiral because it's so easy to stay there, but the solutions aren't going to come to you in that place. Exactly. Just do something, anything so that you know you, you are taking action instead of feeling passive in your financial situation. Yes. And you've talked about self-love and money. And I've been on a self-love journey for the past five years or so. And I felt like for a long time, the word self-love was hard for me to access. But then when I kind of rebranded it as self-trust, knowing that I always have my back and that I will always be there for me because I'm going to be the one here for me from the time I was born to the time I die, right? It's, it's me, I'm here. And so I'm curious, what is the relationship between self-love and money and how can people get started with self-love if they feel like they're kind of out of touch with that? I think this day, self-love has been marketed as something that we do during the weekend, maybe a spa, a massage. But then you and I both know that it's more about the the inner connection. Because if you don't feel like it, even though you do all those things, you just do not feel like you tap into self-love. And you and I have both been in that. And we know how much shame and guilt we can associate with money. And Maybe it's not only that, but also how much money we earn. So basically, in the society, everyone is conditioned to think that our worth is determined by our net worth. And I think for women, even more, we are also conditioned to think that we our worth is determined by how we look and how we behave. And that's why self-love, for me, has a big role in how we manage our money. Because sometimes we feel like, we are not enough and then we go out to spend to buy all those things that makes us feel more worthy of love. Um, for me, it's very important to address this issue of self-love with my client because a lot of time, once they acknowledge that they are already enough, then they have so much more mental clarity in how to manage their finances. Hey there, thanks so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. I want you to pause real quick and take a mindful minute. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. And exhale. Take a deep breath again. And exhale. Taking a moment for yourself is so important for your mental health. Now, before we get back to the show, I just wanted to say, if you are enjoying this episode, please review the podcast and share it on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockhart and share your thoughts. It'll really help spread the word about the show and help others with their money and mental health. You can also support this independent podcast and buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. I love that breakdown. I think it's so important to be really clear about how much consumerism thrives off of self-hate. 
So if self-love is the antidote to that, you might be able to rein in your spending and stick to a budget because you know that you are enough, that you don't need anything more. But so often, you know, we're buying all these extra things to look different, to feel different, to act different, to appear different. And that can be harmful to our financial life. And that, you know, kind of spirals into like feeling shame again. And that can just trigger this whole shame, self-loathing cycle. And so we have to break that cycle as well to get to at least self-acknowledgement, self-trust and self-love. Yes. And it's not only about that. It's also about how much money we earn. And I find it Mm, really tragic that people, a lot of people still associate their self-worth with the net worth. And it doesn't need to be because for me, money is just a scorecard for how much value I give to the world. And I can always improve my score. So if you love yourself radically and you know that you do have the value to give, you you won't really determine your self-worth by your net worth. And I have a message for your audience you are always worthy. You're always enough, period. You don't need any explanation for that. Yes, love that message. And I approve. You don't have to do more or buy more or be more. You are enough as you are right now. And so you mentioned that you're also passionate about helping women with their money, which I am as well. I have my reasons uh, for believing so. And that's why I started Lola Retreat, which is a women in money event, which is still on hold. We'll see about the future of that. But, you know, why is it important for women to have their own money and how can they improve their finances? Yeah. First of all, I would love to see more conscious beings, either men or women, to have more financial power. So imagine how the world will become when that happens. I know this is already happening because a lot of good things happening. People who are wealthy, they are giving out their money to good causes. But for me, I particularly work with women, first of all, I find it safer for women to connect between themselves. And also, I speak to them because I am one of them. And women, I don't know if I'm stereotyping them, but I do think that a lot of us are more nurturing and empathetic than men, although I do have male counterparts who are doing a better job than me. So I do think that with more feminine power in this world, the world will become an even better place. And I think economic inequalities between genders needs to be addressed so that the power of dynamic can shift and both men and women can feel empowered to choose a life they desire. So this is not only for women, actually, because if women get more financial power and men feel more accustomed to this new reality, they will feel more comfortable with themselves because they are still a lot of men out there feel like they need to be the breadwinner for their family and they still have this masculine image that they feel like they need to carry. And I think if more women have more financial power and the world is just more equal, then everyone can choose to be who they want. Yes, everyone can choose to be who they want and how they want to be in the world. They don't have to be in these kind of culturally conditioned roles, right? They don't have to be one thing. If they want to be that way, fine, but they can have options, right? I think money is about having options. And so I love what you mentioned also about how men feel a lot of pressure to provide and to be the breadwinner. And we talked about this in the episode with Colin Becker on toxic masculinity about, you know, 
toxic masculinity harms women, but also it harms men because they don't feel comfortable expressing themselves. They feel like they always have to provide. They feel like they have to be a certain way in the world. And so all of these systems that we feel like we are a part of harm, you know, men and women, obviously non-binary, LGBTQ communities, you know, it harms everyone, however you identify. And I think it's really important for us to realize that money can allow us to express ourselves in the way that we want, in a way, you know, it offers us opportunities to support causes that we believe in and try to make a dent in the world because we clearly see what wealth has done to the world right now. And there are some major players who are making changes in a positive way. And, you know, I think having underserved communities make money can change the landscape. Yeah, I love that. Another reason I love working with women is that actually just maybe two generations ago, women's destiny really determined by the husband and the man is always the financial plan. And that's why a lot of us are still conditioned to feel that way. And then there's also still a bit a sense of competition between women. And that's why we feel like we need to buy all the names, the good clothes, or do plastic surgeries to make us feel pretty. And a lot of money is wasted there. So I really want to speak to women and tell them that you are worthy as you are, and you don't need to spend all those money in order to win other women, because first of all, we are in this together. And a man is not your financial plan, so so you don't need to make yourself look pretty in order to attract a man. And all these messages, I think we need to talk more so they are more ingrained in our subconscious mind because we are still carrying all those patriarchal messages in our subconscious. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned, you know, just two generations ago, women's history was really different. And I think about that quite a bit because I think about how much freedom and opportunity and choices I have now. And I live a rather unconventional lifestyle by choice, you know, meaning that I do not have children. I've chosen not to get married. I'm still very much, you know, um, a supporter of love and partnership. It's just, I don't necessarily find myself attracted to those kind of things. And that's very odd for some people to to accept and to realize, but that's a choice that I have. And I'm so happy to have that choice. And I think so often, sometimes I would think, man, if I was born in a different generation, I might not have had this choice. And I would have had to be, you know, a stay-at-home mom or be a perfect housewife, or that was like my only choice potentially. And I think about how many women in previous generations suffered doing things they didn't want to necessarily do because there were no other options. And obviously, like, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's great. If you want to have children, that's great. If you don't want to have children, that's fine too. All options are fine. But, you know, in previous generations, there were not as many options or choices. And I think that did such a disservice for so many women. Oh, I love what you just said, because that sounds like my story. Uh, I think, yeah, I think even just our last generation, our parents are still conditioned to think that they must get married, they must have children, and they raise a healthy family. But then in our generation, a lot of us, a lot of women already know that we have the choice to be single if we want. And I think 
the the identifier here is that whether you are making a conscious choice or a fear-based choice. If you want to get into a relationship because you feel like you need to, that's a fear-based choice. But if you know that you just love the way you're living, I am actually like you. I really enjoy my single life. I think I have so much free time because of that. Then you are making a conscious choice. And, and that's the same with your financial decisions. If you want to buy a purse because you think that with that purse, you will get more respect from others, then that is fear-based. But if you really appreciate the aesthetics of that purse and you have the money to to buy it, then go for it. And that is a conscious choice. Exactly. I think you really got to the point there about it has to be a conscious choice. And thank goodness in this time period of our lives for women, we can make those choices, whether it is to stay home, to have a family or not, to work or not. You know, we have more agency in our lives and we're not just in this one particular role. And I think in that way, and this is something that I've talked about with Lola Retreat, is that we have an abundance of choice that we didn't have before. And that's why it's so important for women to learn about money and to access money and to learn how to play the game. Because for so long, I mean, here in the United States, I believe it was not even until 1974 that women could get their own credit card without a man, without a husband. So that's like not that long ago. And so we need to be able to navigate these basically uncharted territories, right? Where we don't have people in the past who have necessarily gone through this. And so that's why I'm so passionate about serving women is because we're all going through this uncharted territory together. And we need to figure out how to navigate the future and manage money on our own and, you know, have the choices. Yes, just so right, because this is very new for us and we are creating a new future together. So it's very important that we talk about it more. So we shift our mindset faster. And this is not only for women, but also for men. Yes, love it. Talking about money mindset, I'm curious, what are some daily, weekly, or monthly practices people can do to improve their money mindset wherever they are? Mm -hmm. When I coach my clients, we brainstorm together. So um, they can choose what practices they want to adopt. Because I think personal finance is really very personal. So for all your audience out there, if you meet a financial advisor or a financial coach telling you what to do, then I think you should like take it with a grain of salt because you should be you should be the one who knows what is the best for you. So maybe I just share what I what kind of practices I do because I have been in that and I know my debt came from poor financial choices. I had a lot of consumer debt instead of student loan. And this is something I would like to talk about maybe another time. I do think that people um, people not only judge themselves because of the debts, they also judge themselves for what kind of debts they have. So if they have a mortgage, they may not judge themselves so much. But for me, I really judge myself because I had consumer debt. I mean, I judged myself before. So now, I budget a lot. I budget every day. Um, I talk about this uh, dream budget and actual budget that I have. And every day I log my expenses there because it helped me put things into perspective. When I was on my journey to recover from my debts, I tried to cut down my spending just by sheer willpower. And I always thought that I was already being frugal. But then at the end of the month, I received my credit card bills. I was always shocked because maybe I was spending a little bit less, but definitely not enough to 
get me out of my consumer debt quick. So now I, I lock my expenses almost every day. And every week, I also look back to see if my actual expenses fulfill my overall budget. And this is like a goal setting process. You need to, if optimally, you review your goal almost every day. And then once a week or once a month, you see if your goals aligns with your value, aligns with the reality and see whether you should adjust your daily goal or in finances, your daily budget. And like another exercise I like to do is the the journaling exercise, journaling the three great things that happen in my life. And that was one exercise I did earlier that I find really helpful. And I call it the actualization journal. So people do a gratitude journal in the morning. And I did it for some time. It was definitely helpful. But then I felt like I was writing those things that that have become boring. So I started an actualization journal. I think I read it somewhere on a blog. So I write, I actualize, for example, bigger apartment with three bedrooms and all the bedrooms have a have a sea wheel, those kind of things. So I write the things I want to manifest. And I find that the more I write about those things, even though they seem a bit for me, I self what I need to do to make that happen. And I have achieved a lot of those things. And maybe even just the relationship. I actualized really genuine relationship with all of my friends. That really triggered me to really have more connections with my friends. So that is another exercise that I find really helpful. And I think your audience will benefit as well. Thank you so much for sharing the practices that you do to improve your money mindset and your connection. I love that. And I really love that you mentioned that everyone's personal finance situation is personal. So if people are telling you what to do or saying this advice works for everyone, they're probably wrong and they probably haven't sat down with you long enough. So I love that idea because what works for you might not work for me. We all might need tailored advice, which is why it's so important to get individualized support. And because this is the mental health and wealth show, I have to ask about your consumer debt and how it made you feel and how you judge yourself because you just opened up a can of worms and I want to dive inside and, and hear more about that. Yeah, and actually that's the reason why I work with women because I th- I think women are more are more of a victim. I shouldn't say victim, but but I do think we are victims of consumer debts because we are conditioned to think that we need to compete with other women and that is one of the main reasons why we shop so much. And maybe that's just my personal experience, but I've talked to other women as well and we can all resonate with that. So I was earning a six-figure income in my early 30s and I was really I was really proud of myself because I, I think I was the first one who did it in my family. But then actually I also had a huge amount of consumer debt and that is more than six figure. And so I had a negative uh, net worth. So every day I went out and I felt like a lie because most of my friends knew that I had a good job, but they didn't know that I had a lot of consumer debt. And I know that this is quite common among people who have a good job because those people, they feel a need to to show that they have a comfortable life and they can lose a sense of control over their finances. And that can be that can be a big thing for women because 
we are totally comfortable seeing our male colleagues wearing the same clothes to work every day, but it's probably quite different for women. So that's why I love working with women and addressing the self-love issue and helping them manage their finances because after all, we create, this is our time for us to live on our own terms. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And yeah, I think a lot of people with high incomes tend to have high debt loads sometimes because they feel like there's this status to keep up with, this certain lifestyle they want to portray. And there's very much this keeping up with the Joneses type of living and type of lifestyle. No one wants to see you wearing awful clothes or the same clothes or, you know, a junky car. If like you have this nice lifestyle, right? And so much of it has to do with status and the way we are perceived by others. And so I love that your message is to really turn inward and to focus on what we have already and how can we love ourselves with everything that we have and love hearing your story about everything that you've accomplished and changed in your financial life. I think that is fantastic. If people wanted to find you and work with you, where should they go? Thank you so much, Melanie. And um, I have a gift for your audience. I'm opening five spots in my calendar for a one-on-one 30-minute consultation call to address the roots of your financial stress and how you can take the first step to reach your financial goals. And I will also be sharing with you the budget sheet that I just mentioned, the dream budget and also the actual budget so that you can not only think about where you can cut your expenses, but also how you can improve your earning. And I'm sure that will be extremely helpful. This is not something I share with other clients who signed up a call with me. So this budget sheet is definitely something special to your audience. Um, to find me, you can book a call with me on my website, mandycheng.coach. That is M-A-N-D-Y-C-H-E-U-N-G dot C-O-A-C-H and book a 30-minute call there. And remember to put in a note saying that you find me from Melanie Podcast. Love that. Definitely get on that. Book a session. Tell them that you got referred from Melanie from the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much again for sharing your wisdom, knowledge, and personal experience. I so appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Melanie. I love talking with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review and you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.